You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Craig Cabanis. Well, good morning and uh, welcome. It's wonderful to have you with us today. And uh, I just want to say happy Mother's Day uh, to all the moms. Thanks for joining us this uh, Mother's Day morning. It's wonderful to have you with us. And you know, today really is a day for us to honor moms and to thank God for all the mothers. And especially during this season, I especially just want to commend uh, those who are moms who have kids at home and you've all been together in the same house all the time for six to eight weeks. Uh, You deserve a special mention. Please know that you have our respect and uh, our gratitude. And you really, moms, especially moms with younger kids, you're the ones who are really kind of the glue in the family holding this all together. So uh, happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, Today can also, however, be a real challenging day uh, for many. You know, I've had people tell me that Mother's Day is the hardest Sunday at, to come to church in the entire year for them. And, you know, that may be your day today. There are some of you watching today, and uh, your mom has passed away in the last year, and this is your first Mother's Day without your mom, and uh, that's a hard, hard day. There's others watching who uh, have wanted to be mothers, and uh, for any number of reasons, uh, you're not a mother. And so today is a, a day, just one, one more reminder, one more year, and uh, it's a day that, that your heart grieves as, as well. Um, some of you watching, uh, you have a broken relationship with your mother, or maybe you're a mom who has a broken relationship with one of your children, and today can really be a hard day for you. So as I said at the beginning, we do celebrate moms, but we're also very aware of the difficulty this is for you. And I, I want you to know uh, that I, I grieve with you, and I've really been praying this week that this message right now would be an encouragement to you. Uh, I'm going to speak from a text that's not on mothers, uh, not on motherhood, but I'm going to make a number of applications to moms. However, this is a text about God helping us. And, you know, don't we all need God's help? And aren't we aware of that in this time? However you find yourself this morning, one thing I know about you is you need God's help. I need God's help. So I'm really praying whether this is a day that's a thrill for you or whether this is a day of profound sadness for you. I believe God's going to speak to you through his word and encourage you from this psalm, Psalm 121. It's a psalm saturated with hope. And uh, I believe God's going to encourage us. May he strengthen us all by his word. So I'm going to read to you the entire psalm. It's brief. Psalm 121, uh, verses 1 through 8. This is God's holy word. A song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. 
The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Psalm 121, as it says at the beginning, is one of the song of ascents, one of the songs of ascents. And what that means is it was one of the psalms that the people of Israel used when they went on pilgrimage uh, to uh, Jerusalem to celebrate one of the three annual feasts of the year. And so this was part of their sort of gathering uh, on on their travel, on their return home, and on their gathering, a, a, a psalm to sing in celebration. And this psalm provides repeated promises of God's care for his people. It's just a huge reminder of God's care and his goodness for us. And really, the big idea of the psalm is very simple. It's that the God who created everything will help you and keep you forever. I want to say that again. The God who created everything will help you and keep you forever. So let's look at those points. The first point in the psalm is that God is our helper, our helper. It begins by saying, I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? Now, we don't know exactly what the looking at the hills is all about. When the psalmist looks to the hills, what does he see? Uh, some people think that this means the hills represent danger. As you made your journey to Jerusalem, uh, there could be people that would rob you along the way, come out of the hills. And so the hills were, or they represented a, you know, a long trek up to Jerusalem. So they're kind of arduous or they represent uh, danger in some way. Other people say looking at the hills is you're on your way to Jerusalem, you're going up, and so the hills represent hope and safety. Well, the psalmist doesn't tell us which it is, but what he does tell us is that he lifts his eyes up above the hills, and when he looks above the hills, he sees the Lord. My help comes from the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, let's pause there for just a second. Think about these words this morning. My help comes from from the Lord. Do you, do you believe that this morning? Do you know that truth? I mean, listen to this truth that the Bible is telling us that God wants to help you. God, he he describes himself as the one who helps his people. And when you look at the trouble in your life today, When you look out at the uncertainties that surround us all in these days, are you aware and do you sense this in your heart? Do you even feel this in your soul that God wants to help me, that God is my helper? There's a a confidence here that God wants us to have from the very beginning that he is moving towards us with help and aid and he wants to help you right now. Do you know that? That this isn't a future tense like, or it's, it's not an uncertainty. Maybe God will help me someday. No, God is our help in this very moment. God isn't waiting for you to get your act together before he helps you. God's not waiting for you to be more holy or more mature. God's not waiting around for you to figure everything out, to know more of the Bible, to be a more godly person before he will give you any help. That's not what the text 
says. I mean, what is help about anyway? God helps us when we don't have it all together. You know, the Bible teaches us that God is waiting to give help to those who see their need, who are aware of their need. What qualifies you for help is not having it all together. It's realizing that you don't have it all together, that you're sinful, that you're weak, that you're needy, and then seeing your need, turning to God and recognizing and saying, my help comes from the Lord. That is such an important truth for us. Do you know the Bible teaches in the book of James, you have not because you ask not. Now that's in the Bible. You have not because you ask not. Now this is not in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. And we often live as if that's actually true, that I have to help myself to a certain point, and when I can't move any farther, then I can ask for help. In other words, God is saying, you do your part, and when you're stuck, call on me and I'll help you the rest of the way. You do your part, and then I'll come in and bring rescue. God helps those who help themselves. That is completely unbiblical. God helps those who see their need and ask for his help. You know what the number one prayer in my life is? I pray this throughout the day. I I don't proclaim to have a great, you know, amazing prayer life, but I will say I pray this frequently. Throughout the day, I pray this two-word prayer. Help me. I'll be going into a meeting. Help me. I'll be tempted to be angry. Help me. I'll feel I don't know what to do with this situation. Help me. Sometimes I pray a long prayer. God, help me. Come, sometimes really long. God, help me now, please. That's my, my five-word version of the prayer. But God will always lean into answering a prayer when we are crying to him for help. Now, notice how the psalmist sort of energizes our confidence in God. He tells us that the one who helps us is the one who made heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. I'm still in verse 2. Who made heaven and earth. The one who helps us is the one who created everything. What a source of help. I mean, it is inconceivable that you could find anyone, any source of help as great as the one who created everything by the word of his power. The God who created galaxies that are beyond what we can see or imagine, the God who created galaxies, the God who created the cell. He is the God of cells and the God of the solar systems. This God who created everything is our help in our time of need. Where are you going to get better help than that, mom? Where is there possibly a source of power, a source of wisdom, a source of comfort, a source of aid as mighty as the God who created everything? Frequently, when the Bible wants to strengthen our vision of God, and I would say at the same time, lower our vision of ourselves, it often points out this fact about God, that he is the creator. And it has a way of sort of making an argument from greater to lesser. If God created everything by the word of his power, then is there any problem in your life that he couldn't bring help to? And even if it it, by his will, he didn't solve your problem or remove the circumstances that are difficult, is he not able to sustain you through that problem? 
Of course he is. He's done the greatest thing imaginable. Our problems never stump God. They're never too great for him. He is always our help. I want to encourage you to just to receive that promise today, whether you're a mother or not, whether you're single or whether you're a guy or whoever you are, I want to encourage you to receive that promise. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He has everything at his disposal. There are no limitations to his power. And it says that he is your help. Let's not be self-sufficient. Let's not be proud. Let's not be working to get our act together so that we think we earn God's help. We never earn God's help. That's completely the opposite of the message of Christianity. We receive his help because he's a gracious God who gives it freely. But there's another aspect of this that is particularly powerful for parents. And let me address moms a little bit this morning. That God is not only our creator, the one who made heaven and earth, but he's also the creator of your children as well. And what that means is that your children, he created them, the maker of heaven and earth, they are his. They belong to him. And, you know, that's a real game changer for adjusting our parenting perspective. Because here's the reality. While you have responsibility as a parent for your children, God, the creator of heaven and earth, the maker of heaven and earth, the maker of your children, he bears ultimate responsibility for his children. Now, we want to be faithful as parents. We want to be diligent. We want to be the best parents raising our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord that we possibly can. We certainly want to take our responsibility as parents uh, seriously, that to be sure. But let's be careful and not sort of reverse the roles here. We're not helping God as parents. Your goal is not to help God by your contribution to his, your, to his children. No, God is helping us in our weakness and in our imperfections and in our sin to raise his children. God is helping us with his children. We are not helping God. It's when you begin to think that somehow the ultimate responsibility is yours and not his, that's when we are burdened with fear and worry about our kids' futures. Or on the other end, we look back with deep regret for our own weaknesses and limitations. But God wants us to look to him for help, acknowledging that he is the one responsible. That's where our help comes from, moms and dads. Secondly, God is our keeper. It says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So a primary way that God helps us is he keeps us. Or another way of translating that is he guards us. Some translations say that. Now, we don't talk much about God as our keeper. That's not language we use a lot. But it is a description that God uses of himself in his word. So, for instance, um, uh, verse 5, the next verse says, The Lord is your Keeper. So God is being identified here as keeper. What is a keeper? Well, a keeper is one that has charge or care of something. One who has charge or care of something. So think about an innkeeper, the most famous character that actually doesn't appear in the Bible in the story of Jesus' birth. But the innkeeper, an innkeeper 
is someone who cares for and takes charge of an inn. A housekeeper is someone who takes charge of and care for uh, a house. A goalkeeper is someone that guards a goal so that a ball doesn't get into the goal. Guards and protects. So this is it. A keeper is one who guards, one who takes charge, one who takes care of something. And in the case of God, he is taking charge and taking care of your life. As a believer, this is what it says down in verse 7. He will keep your life. He will care for your life. He will guard your life. This is the very nature of God, is that he keeps us. It's an amazing promise, isn't it? Verse 3 says, describes his keeping. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He, this idea of your foot being moved, it means to slip or to slide. Have you ever been hiking on, you know, um, shifty kind of uh, rocky kind of soil where it's hard to get a grip? He's saying in that kind of context that God, when we walk in difficult places, he'll give us traction. He'll ensure that our feet don't slip. He's not saying that you won't have any hard roads to walk down. He doesn't say that you'll be called to walk in some, uh, even climb perhaps, in some uh, difficult terrain. He doesn't say that you'll never have to walk in a storm. He doesn't say that you'll never have to walk at times where it's dark and you can't see where to put one foot in front of the other in your life. What he says is that when you walk through those times, he won't let your foot lose its grip. He'll hold you. He'll keep you. He'll guard you. What a wonderful picture this is of our God. And twice here, it reminds us that he doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. In verse 3 and 4, he says that in each verse. So it's an emphasis from the psalmist. God is never asleep on the job. What does that mean? He's always keeping your foot from slipping. He's always guarding you with his gaze. He's always caring for you. That's a good word to all of us a good word to moms this Mother's Day. Some of you have little ones, and it's good to know that when you've been up half the night with a crying baby, or when you've been up half the night or all night with a sick child, that God is present keeping you. When you feel like you're getting nothing accomplished, and quarantine motherhood is simply surviving, if I can just keep my sins to mid-level and not move up to criminal level today, that's a victory. If I could just survive, you know, maybe you feel that way, just cooped up with the difficulty of this season. In those times, God is constantly with you. When you wake up in a hurry with a ton to do and miss your quiet time and launch into the madness of a day packed with coronavirus homeschool on top of your job, on top of your household responsibilities and whatever else you are involved in and you feel like you are drowning, this passage promises that God is near you. God is near to guard you, to help you, to strengthen you, to protect you to be your aid. And on those days when you feel like saying, I can't do this, that's the point that God is there to help you. On those days when you think, I can't do this, and you feel like I'm a failure, 
Oh, not at all. When you, when you feel, I can't do this, you have postured yourself in the position to there receive help from God. That's the whole point of Christianity. You can't do this. You need God Almighty. You need the Savior, Jesus Christ. You need his spirit to help you and empower you. I know I want to run from that sense of I can't do this. I don't want to run to. I'm needy. I need help. I'm weak. I don't want to run. I want to avoid that. But that's pride. The Bible teaches that in pride, God resists us. But when we acknowledge our weakness, when we say, I can't, Lord, help me, that's when grace is poured out upon us. So the very thing that perhaps you're seeking to avoid is the very posture that God wants to meet you in in these days. Some of you have older kids. And moms, you you live with a worry. You look at your teenager and you worry about his or her faith And you look to the future and you're fearful about their future. This verse says that God never slumbers nor sleeps. You you may not know everything that's going on in your teenager's heart and life. You may not know what your young adult child or older adult child believes or is doing in these days. But God never sleeps. He is watching and helping and he will answer your prayers. God is doing infinitely more than we even know with our children. He's at work in ways that we don't know, and the story is not over. He is the God who keeps you, and he is the God who keeps all of his children. So he's our helper, and he's our keeper, and here's the last point from the text. He keeps us forever. He's our helper, he's our keeper, and that's forever. Look at verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is hopeful too, that God keeps us constantly and forever. Here's another aspect of his keeping. Not only will he not let your foot be moved, but look at verse 5. He's your shade on your right hand. Now, these would be people who are familiar with the the hot, blazing sun of Palestine, perhaps even as you're making a journey. And he's saying, God's your shade. That's a metaphor for he's protecting you from the heat. And he's at your right hand. What does that mean? He's not protecting you from a distance, but he's right there with you, protecting you. What a wonderful promise that is. Verse 7, it says that he will keep you from all evil. He will keep your very life. God guards us from evil from without that would seek perhaps to harm us in some way and evil from within that we battle ourselves. Uh, This is a prayer we're to pray daily. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The Lord taught us how to pray that way. And he doesn't just teach us to pray wondering if he'll keep us from evil. It, it is what he says he will do. He keeps us from evil. Now, that doesn't mean that we will have a suffering-free life. We don't have a suffering-free life yet. That's coming when Christ returns and we live forever with, with a suffering-free life in his presence and in his glory. But he will keep us and protect us forever the text says we are always under his watchful gaze. We are always in the protection of his hand. 
And then finally, verse 8, he keeps us forever. Remember, I said this was the last idea. He, he keeps us forever, and that's how the text ends. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That, that brings such a, a promise to us that his keeping isn't temporary. It's not based on our performance. It's based on his character. It's based on his goodness. It's based on who he is and not who we are. You don't live on probation. Once you become a Christian, you don't live on probation. God will keep you to see how you do, but he will keep you forever. The reality is even when you lose your grip on him, he keeps his grip on you. You know, in this pandemic uh, that we're living through right now, we have been brought face to face with our vulnerability. Everywhere we look, there's uncertainty. There's health uncertainty. There's economic uncertainty. Uh, your, your own personal job, there may be uncertainty with your personal finances and your job. So there's uncertainty there. There's uncertainty with our families. I mean, if you look around globally, there's sort of an uncertainty with the nations of the world. How are nations going to be affected by this? There's political uncertainty. What's going on in our own country and what's the political future in the U.S.? So there's really uncertainty all around us. And, and that is, I believe, meant to be a gift because it points us to the only one who is certain, the only one who constantly keeps us, the only one who will keep our going out and coming in forever. There's only one certain one, and that's God. That's the confidence we have, this comforting truth that he will keep us forever. And in the midst of uncertainty, we can turn to the one who gives us help. And one day we all will die, but the promise is that he will hold us forever. No one can remove us from his care and his keeping. In the New Testament, Jesus says the same thing, that he will keep us forever. The Lord Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, says the same thing as one, uh, Psalm 121, verse 8. This is what he says in John 10. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is saying that he gives us an eternal life, new life, forgiveness, his Holy Spirit to live in us and dwell in us. And that is an eternal life. That means we will never perish. We will never suffer. Those who believe in Jesus Christ, we will never suffer condemnation. We will never suffer judgment for our sins because he says we won't perish. We have life forever and no one will snatch us out of his hand. That Jesus has a grip on us with his nail scarred hand and no one can pull us out of his hand. You can't pull yourself out of his hand. The enemy can't pull you out of his hand. No circumstance or suffering can. So Jesus makes the very same point. When Jesus makes the point, it's a, it, there's a fuller picture to it in the New Testament than, than even here in Psalm 121. Here's how Jesus keeps us. The Bible teaches us that Jesus, the God-man, died on a cross for our sins, that we could never rescue ourselves from the dominion, the domain, the rulership of sin. All of us are born and under sin, we live in sin, and we live sort of in the kingdom or the domain of darkness by nature. And we deserve eternal judgment for our sin. But Jesus died as a substitute. That is, he died in our place on the cross. And he took the penalty for our sin. One of the most 
amazing things Jesus said when he was dying on the cross and taking our sin and, and dying, paying the penalty for them, is he said to his father, my God, why have you forsaken me? That God the Father even turned from his son as the son received our penalty. And the amazing thing is when we believe in Christ, he gives us this eternal life that, that, that we will always be with him. Actually, he said he will never leave us or forsake us. And the confidence we have is he will, God will never forsake us because he forsook his own son that we might never be forsaken. He turned his back on his own son when his son received judgment so that we would never receive judgment, so that his face would never be turned away from us because of his mercy and because of his grace, that we would never be restricted from his, his help that we would never be uh, that we would never be outside the reach of his guarding and his keeping that we'd never be left to ourselves to get our act together so that finally maybe he would help us but that he would always help always hold always forgive always keep always work in us in our failures and in our weaknesses believer he is with you he is in you he is for you He is keeping you. You may feel you're making no progress. You may feel like your foot is slipping everywhere. Just know that the truth is God is working in your life, wants to work in your life, even in this difficult season. Just acknowledge your need. Just ask for his help. If you're not a Christian, maybe you've never even believed in Jesus Christ before. Well, that's the greatest need of all. And God would tell you, don't try to figure out life on your own or put your life together. Cry out to him and ask him to forgive you. Believe in Jesus, the one who died for our sins and rose. Believe in Christ and trust him as your Lord, your ruler. Allow him to be the king over your life. Turn to him and believe in him today. And then rest in his keeping power. I love psalms like this, passages like this. Because here's the application. Go to God and receive his help. What could be better than to receive help today from the one who made heaven and earth, the one who keeps us until the very end? I hope that encourages you, whether you're a mother, a father, a single, uh, an unmarried person, a married, whoever you are, little kids, older kids, I hope you're encouraged to look to God, to receive help, and to receive confidence that he keeps you. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.